Rowdy and Chase Kitty here talking college football on High Motor by BetMGM. We're into the meat of our college football previews. ACC done, Big Ten done. Those available on your podcast app. Just scroll back. It is evergreen content, betting content for the season. So as you look for your uh, look at your college football numbers on BetMGM.com, the BetMGM Sportsbook app. We're going to the Pac-12 today. And quite frankly, this might be your episode. I'm ready to kind of just watch you get weird smashing all the overs here because you declared when we had that 10 college football questions episode, I think it was last week, you declared that this is going to be a great season for the Pac-12. So I might just have to Did I say great? Did I say great? And I've been thinking about this because there aren't that many numbers that I love, but I'm prepared to tail you on all these overs because celebrating Pac-12 wins at 1 a.m., there's something unique about that especially coming off of a season in which we didn't have that type of feeling. So which over are you, are we are we smashing first well, in the before, Pac-12? Before we even get into that, can I just quick like story time? I'm moving in with my girlfriend this fall. So like week 4 around then, that's when it's going to happen right as we're about to start conference play. I'm wondering what that first Pac-12 after dark weekend is going to look like. Is it a is there a is it a loft? Are there doors on the bedroom? It's a it's a house. She owns a house. I'm moving in with her, and I'm wondering if if it's going to be two fifteen, and I'm watching like Arizona State, Washington State, and it's fifty six fifty three, and it's still the third quarter, and I'm like just slamming Dosaki's Ambers, and she's like, I picked up a shift tomorrow. Shut up. Like, is that, is that what I'm on a collision course for? I don't know what kind of weird, did I, I give know. her like a South African accent just now? What I'm just concerned happened? about your relationship though. Anyway, it's going to go great. The first thing I noticed looking at the board for these Pac-12 numbers, Arizona two and a half. <laughs> Arizona's number is two and a half. That's so bad. Do you know why it is two and a half? Yeah, because they haven't won a football game in like 700 days. Because it's a shit team that made a shit hire. That's why your number is two and a half. They have, isn't Northern Arizona decent at football? Eh, they, they're they offensively generally pretty gifted. They can outscore you. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't I don't even know the last time they made the playoffs. There are no auto wins on this schedule. Non-conference is BYU, That's, San Diego State, yes. and Northern Arizona. Where are the wins here? So that was my takeaway as well. There are absolutely no free wins here unless you want to count the FCS team, which I'm not totally convinced that it is. I mean, I, I would just imagine, I, like, I think Arizona is probably better than Northern Arizona. But anytime you have these directional FCS schools playing against the big boy where every single person up and down the roster probably wanted to go to Arizona and none of them actually got to, like that's a recipe for disaster. And then you mix in BYU, San Diego State, at Oregon, like one and three is probable, oh and four is on the table going into their bye, and then the whole rest of their schedule, you're just ripping off Pac-12 game after Pac-12 game. I think one of the easiest wins in the Pac-12 isn't on their schedule. So, I mean, they they are a serious contender here for like 1-11. So, you know I like to get a look at the historical perspective, and, and I like to have that be a little element inside of my handicap. So, I decided to go look for when was the last time 
Arizona won two games or less. So they went 2-10 and 10 in 2003. Before that, would you like to hazard a guess what decade they won two games or less in prior to 2003? Right, because I'm, I'm super familiar with Arizona football in the 40s. It was 1957. They went 1-8 and eight as a member of the Border Intercollegiate Athletic Association. You know, this argument is just Arizona is bad. I don't know what... I don't know what we're doing here. I was just I was just totally curious about the idea of a border intercollegiate athletic association. No, and no, I, no, I no. had to find a way to work that into this podcast. No, so I entered this episode prepared to hop on every over with you. And you're hearing but, tales from 1957. No, 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 no. There was a note that you mentioned. There is a certain team not on Arizona's schedule this year that you think could be one of the easiest wins. I do. Just to wrap the Arizona thing. I would stay away from two and a half. Uh, just having a new coaching staff might be good for one or two wins, even if Andrew's not a big fan of the coaching staff. So I, I don't want to be sweating out Arizona going three and nine and that being a loss if I take the under. Uh, but if you're making me take a side, I'm probably taking the under. So I think they, my, don't, they don't play Stanford. They don't play Stanford. Is that, that is where correct. you're going with that? And Stanford under four plus 115 is one of my nope. favorite Pac-12 bets. Nope. Yeah. Nope. Yeah. So, do are you a Stanford believer this year? If so, please lay out your case for me. I'm a Stanford believer in that they won't completely suck again. Because I don't think... Okay, so 2019, I don't like playing the injury card that much, especially at a program like that where they have depth, they have consistency. David Shaw has been there forever. He's made it very clear he's not leaving. So, like, recruiting guys long-term isn't a problem. His staff has been there forever. So... I don't want to play the injury card too much, but the fact still remains throughout that season. Like they only had five or six healthy offensive linemen for most of that year. That's why 2019, a, re- a part of the reason why 2019 was so bad. 2020 wasn't that bad. Like they weren't that bad of a team last year. So now we're sitting here saying that Stanford's going to go three and nine. As, as you like to say, you know, we're not playing for the push, but I'd rather push than lose. Uh, I, I think, I, I'm a little nervous about the fact that they're in the bottom 10 of all teams for returning production, which is my crutch in my Bible when I have these conversations, and I'm probably a little over-reliant on it. But I do think there are other things that suggest, besides that, that this could be a good under team. For one thing, we were just talking about Arizona's non-conference. Stanford's got to play Kansas State at AT&T, where the Cowboys play, in Arlington, Texas. Then, week two, at USC, they have to go to Vanderbilt. I honestly don't know how to handicap that game. Uh, I would imagine I would lean Stanford, but that's they got to go. What would the total be on that game? Like six and a half? (laughs) I don't know, forty-five maybe. I don't know. No Uh, way it's going to be that high. Oh well, I mean it's not going to be six. I mean you don't see college totals lower than forty. That just doesn't happen. It'll be forty-one or forty-two. I bet. Uh, UCLA. Probably a loss. Oregon, probably a loss. At Arizona State, probably a loss. At Washington State, probably a loss. They could be 0-7 going into the bye. It's not that unrealistic. So, yeah. I And, oh, by the way, they close with Notre Dame. So that's a loss. Washington at home. Utah at home. At Oregon State. I think they'll probably beat Cal, but that's a rivalry game, so you never know. I don't know, man. Like, that seems like a lot of tough games and not a very favorable schedule. The non-con is tough. I don't see 
them getting to five and seven. So this is an under for me, and the fact that it's plus one fifteen because the over is minus one forty because I think a lot of people feel the way you feel too. Like, hey, come on, they can't be that bad again. Uh, I kind of like the under here. So I, I like the over, but we don't need to. We've already talked about Stanford probably too long. One little note on Stanford dart throw. Plus 4,000 to win the Pac-12. Oh, my God. that No way. You get that USC game in week two, and who the hell knows what's going to happen there, right? I do. USC is going to win. I trust David Shaw enough to think that they'll get out of this rut of mediocrity eventually. Plus 4,000? Sure. I'll throw a dollar or two on that. That, they're... I would I would take so many other things before I would take Stanford. Cool. What is your Snapple cost? Two ninety nine. I I get that. I think it's two dollars flat. But Great. Throw your Snapple money on on Stanford. I would rather have eight minutes of joy with Snapple and learn one new thing than hold a Stanford to win the Pac twelve. I guess. Can we talk about some overs? That's, sure. That's where I'm looking here and. Well, you know, I was kind of my expecting love, you to be smashing these. You know of my love for UCLA. We talked about this on a previous podcast, but just to follow up, I like the UCLA over seven. I think they have an intact team. I think they are the sleeper in the Pac-12. I'm not going to sell you on the Pac-12 uh, UCLA to win the Pac-12 ticket, but I think it goes without saying that I like them enough to take a small position on it. I would prefer the over seven. I think the Washington State over six plus a hundred. I think that's not a bad buy. Uh, I could see them. This is kind. Of, I it kind of feel like Nebraska with them though. Like I could see them going seven and five. I could see them going five and seven. But I think that's kind of the land that they're going to live in. I don't think it's going to be crazy much higher than that or crazy much lower than that. Uh, but I, I think Washington State's the other over that I like. I think part of my problem when I look at the Pac-12 is I see a lot of good teams. I don't see one team that's going to be 11-1. and one. You know, maybe Oregon, but Oregon's number is 9. So if you want to go over with Oregon, you got to get to 10-2. and two, And I don't know if I see that for them. I think Arizona State would be a nice candidate if you wanted to chase an over, but the number's 8.5, and, and I think that's a pretty good number. They're going to be 8-4 and four or 9-3. and three. So I think... I think uh, I think a lot of these numbers are pretty good. I would lean under on Cal and USC. I think it is kind of like a, a Rorschach test. I mean, I, people that want to see Clay Helton Fyred say no way. That's way under. They're going to be seven and five, and he's going to be gone in week nine. Uh, I, I could see USC losing at Washington State early. I could see them, you know, cracking the top ten because they rip off nine straight wins to start the season. So. I think uh, I think USC is a tough read. I think if you want the overs, I'm looking at UCLA and I'm looking at Washington State. And if you really want to go after that Arizona thing, I mean, do it at your own peril. But it could happen. How about your boy uh, Carl Durrell? You want to you want to talk about him a little bit? That's actually one of the unders that I have, and I kind of felt bad because I wasn't particularly kind to Carl. I recall at the time of his hire. True or false, you said it was the worst hire of the year. I can't remember, but yeah, probably. Oh yeah, I for sure did. Yeah, Carl, yeah. 
I think you said they were going to be the worst Power 5 team in like two years. I was like, damn, that's that's pretty bad. There are some bad Power 5 teams out there, man. There's one really bad one. Mm. So I, I just, this kind of is like an Indiana light for me where everybody was expecting them to be so bad and hey, they weren't. But what did they do last year where you're saying that this team is good? And I know that we're not saying that this year because the, the total here is four and a half. I'm taking the under. I just think we're going to see some regression here. You get Northern Colorado and Arizona. I'll give them that. You still need to hit three to get the over. Texas A&M. Three more. Arizona, just to clear yeah, Arizona, Three more. Texas A&M, Arizona State, USC, Oregon, Washington, Utah, at UCLA. There are too many auto losses here. Mm. They just need. They basically need to win every toss-up game just to get to five. They're not beating AM. They're not beating Arizona State. I mean, those are one, two, three. It's six auto where's, losses. Where's the A M where's the AM game? In De- or, uh, in Denver. If it was in Boulder, I mean I, I don't care where it is. You I'm care where that game is? Oh, I was just curious. I think I would still take Jimbo to to pull that one out. But I I mean, if if you're playing the returning production game, Colorado brings back eighty three percent of their team from last year. Do you use returning production much? Have you, have you noticed that? Yeah. What do you think the line is for AM Colorado? Um, AM six and a half. I just lost it. Hold on. Hold on. I don't have it. Great. Super. Should we keep going here? Look yeah, for do you it want to or just or end just, it here or what? Or do you want to move out of this? Just, you like this? Is this good? I'm taking the other Colorado four and a half. I'm taking the Oregon over. I don't know what the book is seeing here. You're giving me over nine for minus 110. I think the huge hurdle obviously is Ohio State. The maybe smaller hurdles are at Washington, at Utah. No USC on their schedule. No Arizona State on their schedule. This is the best team in the conference. No question in my mind, the most talented team in the conference. I'm really curious what they do at quarterback. If Anthony Brown comes in and is just like a game manager for Joe Moorhead, like I think Moorhead can scheme enough where they can move the ball. This defense is elite, like literally multiple All-American candidates on defense. This is a 10-2 and or an 11-1 team all day. I mean, this is to the point where I'm, I'm worried that I'm, like the number is so low that I'm worried about it. I don't Here's know what, what I'm I would tell you. Here. I, I think if you went, I think... The over is safe. I'm not convinced that it cashes because I, I think they could go nine and three. You can't take the under on. I think it I mean, would be pretty surprising if they went eight and four in the under cash. That would be pretty shocking. Shocking. Yeah. I also agree over Arizona State eight and a half. Texas A&M, from what I can tell, minus thirteen at Colorado. That seems really high to me. That does seem really high to me. I don't have anything else in the Pac-12. Dial up some buff. Just a short episode. What? Anyways, what situation has to happen? Let's just do the hackneyed talk radio thing here for a minute, because I, I, I do think stuff. we it's it's worth bringing up. What has to happen for the Pac-12 to be in the playoff conversation? Because, I mean, like conference of champions feels like a punchline at this point, specifically in the football context. I get 
Olympic sports, beach volleyball, yada, yada. It's cool. I got it. But in the context of a football conversation, which is what a lot of people care about, it feels like the Pac-12 is always... I mean, people shit on the Big 12. Like, the Pac-12 would love to be the Big 12 the last three or four years, you know? At least they've been in the mix, and it feels like since that Stanford game, I, I don't, I don't know, man. It, it feels like there's just always it's a whole lot of nine and three, eight and four, really good Rose Bowl, yada yada. But what's the pathway like? Do you think what has to happen for USC or Oregon or one of these teams to break through and make it? I don't think it's all that complicated. I mean, SEC is getting in, right? So that's one. So that's one. Clemson, I think, is getting in. They're not, I mean, they're not going to go 10 and 3. They're going 13 and 0, 12 and 1. Even at 11 and 2, they're probably in. So that's two. I think you need to have that. That's like the hard thing for me. I think Iowa State, Oklahoma, whomever loses a regular season game needs to probably win the conference championship, right? And then, I mean, going back to the Pac 12, I think Oregon or USC. Obviously, you need to go 12-1, and one, minimum. And then you need Cincinnati to lose because that's real this year, okay? Like, Cincinnati playoff shot is real, and we'll talk about that in G5. You need them to lose to Indiana or lose to Notre Dame because they're not losing to anybody else in that schedule. This is a fantastic team. It's awesome that this year we, well, as of now, if they lose Notre Dame or Indiana, it's awesome right now that we actually have the G5 component to this. And we're not sitting, when you say what needs to happen for Pac-12 getting the playoff, it's not just a four-conference conversation plus the Pac-12. It's a four-conference conversation plus Cincinnati. I think that's really cool. And that hurts the Pac-12. Because Cincinnati has a much better chance of going 13-0 and than Oregon does of going 12-1, and in my opinion. And that would be... Optics, which I don't know if the Pac-12 still cares about. If the G5 gets into the playoff ahead of the Pac-12, that's a problem. Yeah. I you know how I'm... much... God, going back to what you said last week of like the dumbest narratives that are been going around this year, and you said that we're going to get to like November and there's not a clear path for the Big 12 to make the playoff, and everyone's going to be like, well, no wonder why Texas and Oklahoma want to leave. There's going to be a lot of that this year, I think, where... Everything, every conversation is going to include, well, the Pac-12 should go after this team or whatever. Well, this team should leave because of this result. Well, Cincinnati should get an invite because they're 12-0. That's going to be the entire year. Could you imagine if the Pac-12 had Baylor and Texas Tech? A lot of that. I don't think Baylor has a beach volleyball program. They could work on it. How much would it suck to be Baylor? A lot of beaches in Waco, right? Baylor, TCU, K-State, Texas Tech. How much would it suck to be those those schools right now? It would not be fun. I feel bad for uh, I feel bad for the fans of those programs. It, it must be an anxious time. I think I think you're more optimistic about the Pac-12 and the playoff thing than me because I think we've actually reached the point where you know standard caveat. It depends on the year. It depends on the data points. Blah blah blah. I think we've reached the point where the second-place SEC team actually has a better chance than the Pac-12 winner. Oh, for sure. That's and not even debatable. Yeah. I don't know how you navigate multiple SEC teams, whatever we're going to get out of the Big 12 for the next couple of years, really good G5 teams, Clemson, the Big 10. Like I don't know how you come out ahead of 
multiple parties in that list of people I just rattled off. I don't know how you overcome. I mean, I, I'm obviously was making fun of the whole East Coast bias thing, but there is institutional momentum that goes toward the East Coast and away from the West Coast. So I don't know how you overcome that too. I don't know how you overcome all of these things. And I guess the easy answer is, well, you just have a team like Oregon that's a recognizable brand. Just have them go like 13-0 and 0 and you'll be fine. I mean, sure. But if it was that easy, it probably would have happened at some point in the last five or six or seven years. So I, the, the days of, I mean, not breaking news here, but the days of uh, the, the capital of college football being USC's campus, I mean, they just feel so far away. Right, but the bottom line is still, if you go 13-0, and you're you're probably in the playoff. I mean, obviously Oregon will be because with the Ohio State game. The, this, is, this is the Pac-12 and the Big 12's problem. It's not like other conferences where you have really good teams at the top and then you can just beat the shit out of the other eight or nine teams all season. The Pac-12 and the Big 12 have really good middle classes. And you have teams sprinkled all throughout the middle tier of those conferences that can jump up and have a good week, that can be Kansas State that beats Oklahoma. Or you can be Arizona State that jumps up and beats Oregon or USC, or a good Utah team. Or they, like This is the problem. They're not optimized for this four-team or two-team system we have where the goal is, hey, we need two, maybe three good wins that, you know, have high Q scores and make us, you know, that, that put us on the front of ESPN and college football final, and then we just kind of coast against a bunch of bad teams the whole rest of the year. You can't do that in certain conferences. And I think that's why the Pac-12 has been shut out here for a while, and the Big 12 has the spotty record that they have. I apologize to our Pac-12 fans for really shortchanging them here. But we're back on Thursday. That will be Thursday, August 5th. That'll be just over what, three, three and a half weeks until week zero. And we'll wrap our P5 previews with the Big 12 SEC coming up, then go G5, and then go to your FCS. Uh, also, some predictions and other topics to cover before things kick off then end of August. As always, thank you for listening to High Motor by Bet MGM. We'll be back on Thursday, August 